Welcome to the Lovable Podcast. I'm Kelly Flanagan, clinical psychologist and author of Lovable, embracing what is truest about you so you can truly embrace your life. In this podcast, I'm walking with you each week for one year through Lovable's companion book, the year of listening, loving, and living. This companion book is currently available nowhere else, so I hope you'll join us on this journey as together we recognize, reveal, and resurrect your truest, worthiest, most lovable self. Can't shake these lies, they keep running around in my head. But what if I saw me the way that you see me? What if I believed it was true? What if I traded this shame and self hatred for a chance at believing? Welcome to episode 53 of the Lovable Podcast. One of the most common questions I receive as a therapist is, how will I know if I'm getting better? This is an important question to answer because the answer gives us direction, it gives us hope, and eventually it gives us something to celebrate. That's the question we're going to answer in this week's episode. Before we get into this week's conversation, though, a couple of quick notes. If you're looking for a gift for a loved one this holiday season that will remind them how lovable they are and how much you love them, giving them a copy of Lovable might be just the gift you're looking for. It's available in paperback, digital, and audio, and you can get it wherever books are sold, including your local bookseller. If you're looking for suggestions for places to buy online, you can go to lovablethebook.com and click order now. Again, that's lovablethebook.com. Also, if you give someone lovable, be sure to remind them that the comprehensive lovable study experience is available now at drkellyflanagan.com backslash experience. Again, that's drkellyflanagan.com backslash experience. Everything we've been working through in this podcast, all of the written content that goes along with the year of listening, loving, and living, as well as an individual and group study guide for lovable is available right there for free. By the way, while you're at my website, you can sign up for my mailing list at the top of the right sidebar. You'll immediately get a free ebook entitled The Marriage Manifesto, Turning Your World Upside Down, and you'll get free samples of Lovable. And then each week, you'll get an email on Wednesday mornings with links to helpful content. Just one email every week. All right, let's get into this week's conversation. When we are changing and growing and healing and living more fully from our true self, what does it look like? Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Hello, Facebook Live. Welcome to week 52 of the Year of Listening, Loving, and Living, which is entitled Reflecting Upon the Unfolding of Your Truest Self. As we record this episode today, we find ourselves approaching the end of the year of 2018. And I hear a lot of people reflecting already upon this year, how life unfolded for them during this year, and what they hope for from next year. This kind of reflection is a natural human instinct, as one chapter ends and a new one begins. So we are going to follow that instinct and spend some time today reflecting upon how life unfolded during this year of listening, loving, and living. And even more specifically, we're going to reflect upon how our true selves unfolded and how they unfold as we go on this lovable journey. Before we do so, though, we're going to do something a little bit different today. Rather than reflecting on recent weeks before getting into this week's content, we're going to get right into this week's readings, and then we're going to spend the rest of the episode reflecting upon and discussing together what it looks like to heal, from all of the struggles and setbacks we experience to the growth and the celebration as well. And I'd like to begin by reading the last chapter of Lovable. Uh, We've done this from time to time in this year when an excerpt from Lovable um, can provide useful context for the the companion guide. We've done that, and I think this is really good context today. So we're going to read the last chapter of Lovable, which is chapter 29. 
It's entitled, A Peace That Surpasses All Understanding. Um, in October of 2015, I was up against a deadline for submitting the first draft of Lovable to my publisher. At that point, the working title was still The Day You Find Out Why, as in Mark Twain's quote, the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. And I woke up one Friday morning in late October, you know, knowing that I had to write the final chapter of the book, but with no idea what to, to do and feeling that sort of panic in my chest, like, oh no, is, is the, is the, I'm finally going to experience writer's block and it's going to sink me. Um, so the kids are getting ready for school and I'm standing at the sink doing the dishes from the night before and I'm staring out the kitchen window and I suddenly realize I'm looking at what I want to write. And, uh, and then my oldest son Aiden says something that, that just writes the entire chapter for me. Um, and, uh, and I wrote this chapter that day. People sometimes ask me if I have a favorite piece of writing and it's, it's hard to pick my favorites, but if forced to do so, I think I'd probably pick this last chapter of Lovable. Um, I love it because a closing chapter of a nonfiction book, you know, it needs to summarize the entire book without feeling repetitive and dull while adding something new um, to the to the closing of the book and sort of doing all of that while tapping into the best energy of the whole thing. And I think that's what happened here with Lovable. And um, so I, I love this chapter. I think it provides great context for this last chapter of the Companion Guide. So here it is, chapter 29, and then I'll go ahead and read this week's reading and practice from the Companion Guide, and we'll spend the rest of our time in discussion together. Chapter 29, A Peace That Surpasses All Understanding. This is, begins with an epigraph, a poem, one of my favorite poems of all time from Mary Oliver entitled Wild Geese. Here's the epigraph. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about your despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. Again, that's Mary Oliver, wild geese. This morning, as I stood at my kitchen sink, a veil was lifted. We moved into our new home almost four months ago in the throes of a hot, wet summer that had transformed central Illinois into a tropical backwater. The forests were like jungles, and the only thing thicker than the vegetation was the mosquitoes. But like all seasons, it eventually passed, replaced by cooler days and dwindling light. Our kitchen window looks out on the road that runs in front of our house, and across the road is a forest of trees. When we moved in, those trees were thick with leaves and underbrush. We were surrounded by green as far as the eye could see, and it looked like we were alone, cut off from the rest of the world, divided, apart. Yet as the autumn winds have arisen and the temperatures have fallen, so have the leaves. This morning, as I cleaned the breakfast dishes, I looked up and looked out and was startled by what I saw. Through the trees, I saw houses, lots of them, with lights on in the dark dawning hour, people moving to and fro, doing their own dishes, getting their own kids ready for school, behind curtains getting dressed for work, a whole community of people preparing to do another day together, each household one part of a greater whole. As the warm water washed over my hands, a warm awareness washed over me. We were never alone. We were never apart, never divided. We were always close, always connected by the road that runs by our house and curves around to those homes on the other side of the trees. I just couldn't see it because I couldn't see through the leaves. In the end, this is what our stories do for us when we live them in the order they are meant to be lived. They gradually usher us into a new season in which our illusion of separateness falls away. 
like fading leaves in autumn. One by one, the dying remnants of our shame drop to the ground. The leaves of ego gradually wither and release. Our fear of meaninglessness is pulled free in a gentle breeze of passion and purpose. And then we can finally see with clarity that this journey we're on isn't just about being healed. It is ultimately about being whole. W-H-O-L-E-D. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Its literal translation is completeness or wholeness. Shalom is not the absence of conflict, it is the absence of division. To experience shalom in our lives is to have no division within our being, within our loving, or within our living. The three acts of our story, it turns out, are a gradual progression toward unity within ourself, our relationships, and what we choose to do with our days. A progression toward wholeness, which is to say, peace. In the first act of life, we begin to overcome the disunity at the center of ourself, which is wrought by our shame. We embrace the confused and lost little one in us, we return to our worthy and good enough soul, and we come back into union with the divine spark underneath our underneath. We coalesce around our true self. The healing is a holing. In the second act of life, we begin to overcome the disunity at the center of our relationships. The division between our false self and our true self is bridged. The true parts of our self find a place of acceptance and belonging with each other. And as our soul and our ego find a way to coexist as one, our relationships and marriages and communities are made one as well. The healing is a holing. In the third act of life, we begin to mend the division between what we want to do and what we actually do. The passion that has been hibernating in our souls is awakened and finds expression in the activity of our daily lives. Who we are on the inside and what we do on the outside become one. The healing is a holing. Finally, as the curtain falls on the third act of life, it begins to dawn on us that this voice of grace we've been hearing has been, all along, whispering in the language of wholeness. And what was once a foreign language to us has increasingly, over the course of three acts, become our native tongue. Now, if we listen closely, we can hear that the story of our personal wholeness is not the only story being told. A bigger story is being told about the wholeness of everyone. As I stand at the sink watching the lights through the autumn trees, Aiden was skittering around the kitchen in a panic. The night before, he'd spent his after-school hours lighting up the world with his passions, three hours of rehearsal for his upcoming musical, an hour's worth of learning called homework, and 30 minutes of guitar practice. He simply hadn't had the time to make his lunch for the next day. So with only minutes before he needed to catch his ride to school, he was panicking, because organization and planning are not his strengths. He can remember every line in The Little Mermaid, but under pressure, he can't remember how to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So instead of making a sandwich, he decided to make wholeness. He turned to Quinn, who does have a passion for organization and planning and speed and efficiency. Quinn gets home from school and makes his lunch for the next day before his siblings have shed their coats. He doesn't do it because he has to. He does it because he loves to. It's the beauty in him spread between two pieces of bread, and his big brother knows it. So Aiden looked at his younger brother and said, Quinn, I'll nominate you for an act of kindness if you help me put my lunch together. Quinn was immediately on his feet with a smile on his face, not only because an act of kindness will earn him privileges within our family system, but also because his passion had been recognized and called upon, because his older brother had been like the wild geese calling, harsh and exciting, reminding him of his valuable place in our family of things. It was peace in the best sense of the word because it was shalom, people coming together, mingling their passions, functioning as one, as a whole. It's the final wholeness, the big holiness, with a W again. We're all in this together, or as the Apostle Paul might say, we're all invaluable parts of a single body. It is a shalom that surpasses all understanding. 
The big story is about the wholeness of everyone and everything. A week later, the leaves are falling and thinning as I enter the forest path. Then I hear it. The forest I'm in extends for miles in every direction. It's a county-wide canopy of drying autumn leaves, and I can hear the wind approaching me on the treetops. It's like a great rushing whisper, like a wave of something omnipotent but invisible. It comes to me like grace. And it is grace, because grace is always getting bigger. Whereas we once experienced grace as the still, small voice of God inside of us, it eventually and inevitably expands from inside of you to outside of you, from small to vast, from one place to every place, from whisper to wind. And finally, like the wind, it comes at you from all angles. The voice I once heard only on the inside, I now hear on the wind. You're not here to be happy, Kelly, or to be productive or wealthy or victorious or celebrated. You're here to be whole, to be wholly you. And you're here to know you are part of a greater whole, part of a greater oneness without divisions. You're here for shalom. You're here to be at peace. The wind subsides and the subtle sounds of the wood return, and I hear grace in all of them. The sandpaper rasp of browning corn stalks in the fields, the buzz of bees on a dying bud, a single bird warbling in the distance, the tap knocking of a languid woodpecker, the constant background hum of crickets who have forgotten it's daytime, the sound of something unseen but big and powerful crashing through underbrush nearby. From a distance, a man approaches me, led by a large Labrador. The dog pants softly and the man breathes heavily. Our eyes meet. We nod and smile. His eyes soften. Years of crinkles at the corners come alive. I suspect mine do too. But in that moment, I know we have more in common than our aging skin. We have something underneath our skin. We have a spark of God embedded in the core of us. We come from the same place, rays emanating from the same light. We are fragments of a breathtaking whole, separated by our skin but joined by our souls, siblings of something bigger and better than the best parent we can imagine birthed by love, separated at birth, and now reunited for a moment. Two stray geese honk overhead, announcing our place in the family of things. The man and his dog pass by. I smell the sweet rot of a world winding down for another winter. It mingles with the ashy scent of smoke coming on the wind from some unknown place and the sharp scent of brittle air coming down from the north. The cloud-covered sky is platinum, like precious metal. The voice of grace is in all of it every sight and sound and smell. Grace comes from every direction and every angle and is the bridge between all things. Grace is the common denominator making all things one, the shalom making all things whole. Grace is a mystery that keeps getting bigger with every act of the story, but that's the way the best stories work. They don't answer all our questions. They leave us asking better ones. Listen to the voice of grace. Know you are lovable and be whole. Shed your shame. Let go of your lonely. Turn your insides out and live passionately into your purpose now. And by grace, find your place in the great, big, beautiful family of things. It's why you're here. So that is the, the last chapter of, uh, of Lovable. <laughs> and uh, there's a, a letter that follows it and the conclusion to Lovable that follow it. Um, and I'm actually going to be reading those in the, the very final episode of the podcast that I'll record on my own here um, next week. But for now, I think that chapter provides um, a helpful summary and context for this week's uh, companion reading. So let's get into that, that reading now. Um, it's week 52 from the Year of Listening, Loving, and Living, which is entitled, Reflecting Upon the Unfolding of Your Truest Self. 
You can't fold a piece of paper in half more than seven times. In fifth grade, a friend challenged me to debunk it. We sat in the back of the classroom wasting trees, trying to fold sheets of notebook paper at least eight times. We couldn't do it. Recently, though, Mythbusters accepted the challenge. They started with a sheet of paper the size of a football field. A team of people, along with a steamroller and a forklift, folded the piece of paper 11 times. It turns out if a piece of paper is big enough, you can, you can fold it more than seven times. The real problem is, ironically, it's growing thickness in weight. Yet there is one piece of paper that does not get thicker as it gets folded. There is a piece of paper that feels thinner and smaller and less consequential with each crease. Sometimes it seems to disappear altogether. This particular piece of paper is your soul, or your true self. Each soul enters the world inside several pounds of wrinkled skin, tiny bones, and wispy hair. However, though our body may initially be wrinkled, our soul is birthed as smooth and as unwrinkled as a crisp new piece of paper. Your soul is your truest you. It harbors your eternal identity, your most beautiful self. It possesses all the love you have to give, and it has the courage to risk actually giving it. It has an energy that feels like passion. It has dreams preparing to be lived. Its temperament is redemptive. Its personality is inclusive. Carried within the tininess of a body, your soul is a living mystery as big as the universe. Yet souls get folded in upon themselves repeatedly. I remember a summer afternoon before my third grade year. Our family was penniless at the time, living in a mobile home in the hills of Missouri and just barely scraping by. A local theater was showing Benji for free, so my mom and I were planning to enjoy the free entertainment and the free air conditioning. When we arrived, we parked beside the towering brick facade of the theater. I got out and my mom lingered in the car for a moment, just long enough for me to pick up a pebble and wonder how high up on the wall I could throw it. My first throw was a decent one. The pebble tapped the wall innocently and, I f and fell harmlessly to the pavement. I picked it up again knowing I could do better, a soul enjoying the abilities of the body it was in. I put a little something extra into my next throw, but rather than hitting higher on the wall, the pebble went harder at the wall. It rebounded off the brick, ricocheted over my head, and landed with a tinkle on the hood of the car behind us, just as the owner of that car walked around the corner of the theater. She lit into me. She screamed. She berated. She said things about me that had never occurred to me before. She found the edges of my paper sole and folded it in half. Then she did it again and again. As she did, I felt smaller and smaller and smaller. Each of us can recall at least one moment in which our soul was folded in upon itself. Most of us can remember many. Your true self is like a piece of paper that gets folded in half by life again and again until it becomes almost invisible. And yet the good news is, the folding of your soul is not the end of the story. A soul that can be folded in on itself can be unfolded, too. Your true self folded in upon itself never ceases to be your truest you. And just as a piece of paper unfolded is becoming once again what it originally was, when your soul finally comes out of hiding and expands once again, it is becoming what it already is. Your soul is bigger and more beautiful and more mysterious than you can possibly imagine. It has been folded in upon itself by people, and by experience, and by life, but it need not remain that way. You can become what you already are. You can unfold. You can smooth out. Until one day you are once again a big, beautiful, ageless soul, traveling inside of skin gone from one kind of wrinkle to another, bones gone from tiny to brittle, and hair gone from wispy to wispy and gray. This year the unfolding began. May it never end. 
And so again, that is this week's reading, um, the, the last chapter, the last week of the companion book, and I'm going to transition right into this week's practice because I think it'll cue us up uh, for our discussion today. Here it is, the week 52 practice. In this final week of your year of listening, loving, and living, your only task is to reflect upon your unfolding. <laughs> what were the biggest changes you experienced this year? Did your transformation occur in expected ways? What surprised you the most? What frustrated you the most? What brought you the most joy? In the conclusion that follows, you will be given an invitation to begin the year again. If you choose to do so, where do you want to focus your energies? Which part of the year are you most dreading, most anticipating? Spend some slow and quiet time this week contemplating the ways your intentionality has transformed your love of yourself, your love for others, and your love of life. Friend, this year you have had the courage to show up. You have my deepest respect. I believe in you. Grace and hope be with you. So that is the last practice in the companion guide. Uh, you know, and as I allude to in that practice, um, there is going to be, like I said, one more episode of this podcast in which I'll be reading the conclusion to this companion guide, adding a few new ideas to this last uh, episode of the year of listening, loving, and living. But again, I'll be recording that alone. So this is our final discussion together. Um, and I just, instead of asking you to do this week's practice in the coming week, I want to just sit, practice it with you right now. Um, I want us to have this, this reflection and this discussion about this year of listening, loving, and living. Um, and really about not just necessarily this year or your growth in relationship to the companion guide, but your reflections upon what growth in general has been like for you, the hard parts, the good parts, the celebrations, and so on. So um, again, in order to sort of cue you up to think about um, where you're at with that, I'll give you a few examples um, of things that came to mind for me as I started to reflect upon this. Number one, I think the one of the most powerful markers of growth for me is that I am trusting more and more that I'll hear the voice of grace when I need to. Um, this past Sunday, I, I uh, was giving a, a sermon at a church, and um, I woke up in a place of ego, feeling like I needed to be great and feeling anxious because I didn't feel like I was going to be good enough. And uh, and I wasn't hearing the voice of grace reminding that me that I didn't need to be great, I just needed to be me. Um, and I got all the way to sitting in the front row, and the first song being played when finally, in the words of the song, uh, I heard the voice of grace, and it was the first Noel and the reminder that the good news of Christmas was first announced not to the rich, not to the great, not to the powerful, not to the influential, but to the most ordinary, marginalized people um, in that culture, the shepherds, on the edge of town, poor, dirty, messy, impoverished, and uh, just the voice of grace saying, hey, you don't you don't have to be great to, to spread good news. Um, in fact, I... I sort of tend to prefer ordinary people for that job. So, um, so what a what a what a blessing to me to be reminded of that. So I, I hear I trust more and more that I'll hear the voice of grace when I need to. Number two, for instance, I can hear my shame coming from a long ways away these days. Early warning signs for me are feelings of perfectionism and anxiety. Um, when I start to feel that sense of perfectionism coming in, I go, oh, shame's creeping up. What's going on here? <laughs> Let's pay attention to that. Let's notice the shame rather than being driven by it. Um, I feel more confident than ever, for instance, that I don't have to keep myself small in order to be accepted. That's a big one for me. Most of my life I felt like, ah, just hide, hide the good things about you so no one feels threatened by you, and less and less do I feel like I have to do that. Um, vulnerability hangovers are shorter. When I, when I put myself out there like I did on Sunday, I'll wake up on, um, I'll wake up on Monday morning and the vulnerability hangover, the, what did I say up there and what did people think of it? Um, 
it's pretty pretty fleeting. It doesn't last all day or all week anymore. Um, and then as I think ahead to the coming year, I think something that I'm still wrestling with is that I want to feel like I am compelled in my in my in the things that I do, in the pursuits of my passion, and and, and the way that I pursue my purpose. I want to feel less and less compelled by ambition and more and more compelled by passion. Um, so in other words, rather than like my ego leading to this sort of driven this purpose-driven life, I'd rather that my soul be in charge of cultivating a purpose-centered life. Um, the purpose-driven life is compulsive, the purpose-centered life is balanced, and I, I need to challenge myself to move more in that direction. So, um, just a few examples, and um, I, I would love to get our, um, our final discussion here started and hear from you about your reflections, um, the hard things, the good things about this unfolding of your truest self. Kate writes, grace comes from every direction and every angle, making all things one. Wow. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's a useful, a useful thing to draw out of that reading, Kate, because um, the thing that, that I need to stay focused on um, is, this, is this tension between shame and grace or this relationship between shame and grace. And the reason that the last chapter of Lovable is so focused on grace is that um, is the understanding that started started to dawn on me um, over the, the the years of blogging leading up to Lovable that uh, that shame is our original wound. It's the thing we all carry. The belief that we are not good enough, um, and that the antidote to shame is actually grace, um, and grace being that experience of of being seen for truly who we truly are underneath all of our shame, for our worthiness and delightfulness and beauty. And that when we are seen with the eyes of grace um, and reminded through grace of who we actually are, our shame begins to lose its hold over us. And so the idea that it starts with trying to listen for that voice of grace within us, that it starts with trying to trust the voice of grace that comes to us from other people um, and through other people, um, but that ultimately as we grow and we're hold, um, we begin to be less resistant to the voice of grace and we begin to be more sensitive to it in a good way so that we begin to hear the voice of grace everywhere. And, uh, and so there, there's this sort of synergistic positive snowball effect that grace has where it just gets bigger and bigger and begins coming at us from all directions. Um, and not in every season of life, of course. There are seasons where we we sort of lapse back into to, tr to believing our shame more than believing believing what grace is saying about us. But um, but we we the the trajectory of things is towards a, a bigger and bigger experience of grace. Jack writes: the more the paper folds, the more intricate and unique is the snowflake you make. Oh, Jack, what a beautiful! I one of my favorite things is when people take one of my metaphors and, and just run with it and I love that. The more the paper folds, the more intricate and unique is the snowflake you make. How about this? The more the paper folds and is cut, that when it unfolds, the more beautiful and intricate, right? That that somehow um, what happens as our true self takes on shame and is wounded and hurt is that it is making it even more thoroughly unique. Um, and that all of that wounding gets incorporated into the beauty that results on the other side of it. Jack, that image is so powerful. I'm, this this is, to me is just a great example of why I'm so grateful all of you are here with me in this year of listening, loving, and living in this podcast. Holy cow. Um, to be able to be enduring the pain of life and trusting that when I unfold from this, 
that pain is going to be incorporated into the beauty of who I am. I can't imagine anything more hopeful. And so when we talk about markers, right? So signs that, what do we expect to see when we're healing and being transformed and returning to our true self and living from it? I think that's a great one, Jack, is that um, the pain that we thought was completely purposeless starts to get redeemed. Um, that we begin to see, okay, that, that pain is going to be working into my story in a way going forward in this way. Um, one of my favorite book titles of all time is Richard Rohr's Everything Belongs. And, and that in the end, what we discover is that all of it belongs. Every part of our story belongs there. Not that we would ever choose it or redo it or that it was right or okay or any of that, but that part of the redemptive um, trajectory of our life is, is making sure that it, it all belongs that it, it all ends up having a purpose. So beautiful, the idea of this unfolding snowflake. Shelley writes, oh, I love that, unfolding. That's exactly how I have felt. There are so many gems in the podcast that I've already started it over again. I've learned so much that I feel like a new me is unfolding. Thank you, Kelly, from the bottom of my heart for your book and this podcast. It's been amazing. Thank you for those kind words, Shelley. And, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that the unfolding metaphor really resonates with the the lived experience of, of what this is is looking like for you and um, you know I've sort of teased a little bit in, uh, the the final episode of the podcast you know we're gonna go through the conclusion of um, of of the companion guide but really the conclusion is about recognizing that this journey doesn't end um, that every good you know <laughs> that the good stories have sequels um, that the heroes go through the same journey and the same challenges and the same refinement over and over and over again. And so that the character you are in your story as you're unfolding, um, it's gonna go through this cycle of listening, loving, and living over and over again um, until your days are over. And uh, and so yeah, I'm actually gonna be encouraging you next week for, for those who've been following along, um, you start the podcast over actually and go back to week one. And what you're gonna discover is it's not the same week one for you. Um, you've unfolded a little bit. Um, and so you're encountering that week in a whole new way with new eyes, with a, a, a different sense of worthiness, with more wisdom about shame and how to cultivate belonging and listen for your passions. And so it's going to be a totally different week one. Um, and you might do this, you might do this several times in a row and each time it's a different week. So, um, yeah, thanks for Shelly for already sort of pointing us in that direction. Patsy writes, purpose-centered. Yes, so very different from purpose-driven. Yeah, and there, there was a, a great book that came out a number of years ago called The Purpose-Driven Life, which is actually a fantastic book, and I'm not trying to challenge that at all. I'm, I think what I'm saying is that, at least for me, words matter, right? Um, and purpose-driven is feels like a life that is driven by a particular ambition, um, whereas purpose-centered is a life rooted in a particular passion or passions. Um, and it makes it a lot easier to stay in balance with those passions. And I think that's sort of the edge of, of growth for me, is staying, staying in balance in my life. I love to do, I love to create, I love to, to, to grow things. And, uh, and that needs to be happening from a purpose-centered place in me, not a purpose-driven place. And so I'm glad that resonated. I hope it'll resonate with, with other folks as well. Julia writes, I relate to the feeling that I have to keep myself small in order to not make others feel uncomfortable. Sometimes stepping into our worth makes those around us very unhappy. This has been a difficult piece for me. Yeah, you know, Julia, um, you are not alone in that. I think, um, I think one of the more common 
sort of presenting issues I see in therapy. I don't think folks necessarily are aware of this as they present, but I think one of the most common issues is folks who have sort of suppressed and minimized their true self in order to avoid, you know, not, not just avoiding the criticism of who they are, but avoiding um, people who, who want to criticize them by saying, well, don't, don't you think you're something? You know, aren't you getting a little big for your britches? <laughs> who do you think you are? I think Brene Brown is the one who says that that's, um, you know, once you've, once you've realized you're good enough, the, the way the voice of shame comes next at you is, well, who do you think you are? Um, trying to knock you back down to, to a size that, that is smaller than who you really are. And, um, and so, yeah, I think that's common. I think you're not alone. And, um, and, and again, you know, this is one way that as you sort of, recycle through this progression of worthiness belonging and purpose um, this is a this is a, a classic example of how this works you embrace your worthiness you cultivate your circles of belonging people start encouraging you to practice your passions you do so in a way that helps you to leave your your artificial smallness behind and then all of a sudden people are are hammering you down saying oh don't you don't you think you're great you know aren't you getting a little too big for your britches what this does then is it stirs up the shame within us again going oh no what am i i can't do this people are being critical of me and so we find ourselves recycling right back to the first weeks of this podcast to listening for the voice of grace again trying to work through our shame trying to embrace our worthiness all over again and then this is what happens this cycle through we go okay um it's okay for me to be all of who i am even if it feels like people can't handle that and the people that I belong to will be the people who can handle that, right? So, okay, I'm not going to get small again just to, to, to minimize this criticism I'm getting. I'm going to be fully me, and we'll see who can hang in there with that. And now your circles of belonging are refined again. Now those people encourage you to pursue your passion in even, um, even purer ways. So it's a cycle, and I would imagine that particular rendition of the cycle happens over and over again for a lot of us. Kate writes, I have just moved to tears and you've drawn out the depth of emotion in my soul today, allowing everyone to have permission to not have to be great, just be themselves. That is the greatness and definitely the grace. Yeah, and there's this paradox in that, Kate, that when we lead with you have to be, you got to be better, you got to be this, you got to do that, um, it, uh, it actually shames people and so they have to hide their true self away. And so the very place from which the best parts of, of them would emerge gets hidden away and hidden. Um, but if we lead with grace, right? I love you. Um, you, I, I see what you're capable of, and I love you even when you fall short of that. Um, now the shame begins to diminish as people receive that grace. There's more safety and space for the true self to emerge, and then you get to see what people are really capable of um, with their true selves. Um, it's not you don't you don't do you don't it's not reverse psychology, right? You don't give grace in order to to get them to to embody their truest self. You give grace because that's who you want to be. That's who your true self is. And then the byproduct is somebody who can be fully themselves. Marie writes, the hardest part for me of this lovable journey is letting go of certainty and surrendering that need to manage things and people around me, to have the illusion of security. I am grateful for the beauty, the growth into faith. Faith for me means that I don't need to know even my next step. Faith is trusting that this journey being full and rich without my management. I'm looking forward to more depth of this this next year. Well, Marie, and I love what you did with that. I, mean, I love that you, you sort of looked back, reflected back upon this year of listening, loving, and living, and said, this is the hardest part for me. 
And so that means that's going to be something that I grow into in, in this next year. And, uh, and I do believe, I do believe you're, you're, you're naming something that probably almost every single one of us struggles with. There may be a few unique personalities out there that don't want to have much control or <laughs> sense of security. Um, and, uh, and God bless them. Uh, I wish I could be more like them, but I think most of us struggle with this. And, um, and I don't know that any practice in my life has made more of a difference than the practice of presence, the practice of mindfulness, the practice of being rooted in the present moment. Um, I'm in the middle of a week of speaking, or two weeks actually, of speaking and traveling and vulnerability. I said to my wife the other day, I just want a day where I don't have to be vulnerable. <laughs> um, that if I had tried to engage in this even a year ago, um, I think it would have undone me. I think I would have been undone by it. Um, but the practice of presence, uh, I'm going to be fully present for this thing in front of me and engage this, and then I'll be present for the next thing. I realize how much energy my soul spends um, on looking ahead and worrying and trying to plan for every contingency and control everything. And that when I'm fully present, I'm probably saving about 50% of the energy I used to spend, um, which means I have a whole lot more energy to do other things. So I, I think I think we're with you, and uh, thanks for that encouragement to each of us to be focused on this step, having faith that, um, that the next step will be one that we can handle as well, and that we'll learn from that and grow from that next step as well. Uh, Marie, we... Um, we send you into the next year with that, that benediction, trusting that you will, you will certainly, with the intention that you have there and the clarity, you're going to grow in that. Joy writes, there are so many things I could say in response to this podcast. I keep typing and all, keep typing and deleting and retyping. Nothing seems quite adequate, adequate to express how I've grown. Maybe in the end, it comes down to the combination of reading the book, participating in the podcast, and having a friend who has read the book that I meet with regularly. We share vulnerably about how this has impacted us and how we are growing and changing and being accountable to the truths you have shared about what it means to be lovable. This has been a journey and I can measure my growth by how I respond now. You know, Joy, thank you for that because one of the, I mean, certainly one of the themes of the months of loving um, uh, this year was to really cultivate a place of belonging with one person, one person who we can connect with and say, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm working on. Do you want to be vulnerable enough with me to sort of uh, make your struggle known as well? And then we'll sort of, we'll create a place of belonging where we can share those and encourage each other and hold each other accountable to the things we want to do to grow. Um, so Joy, what I am taking away from what you said, um, number one, I, I know that it was hard to encapsulate all of it, but you offered us a particular, um, a specific that this specific part of the year was so helpful to you. And so for those who are considering resuming at the beginning or recycling at the beginning, um, yeah, I hear enjoy her, her encouragement to you is take those months of loving seriously. Make sure you come out of them with a person that you can, can go on this journey with. Um, read the book together, listen to the podcast together, meet together and encourage each other. Thank you for that, Joy. Bobby writes, in seeking, asking for, finding, receiving grace for the self that doesn't feel deserving of it, amazed to also find it, extend it, all at once for so many of those around me. Just one of the ways I have felt my own unfolding, that I have shown up here each week is a sort of miracle, how grateful I have been for it. Bobby, that is beautiful. Um, and uh, again, this I feel like every conversation we've had, there's been one moment where I'm like, oh, conversation would have been incomplete without that. 
um, yes, that, that I think one of the hallmarks of this process of embracing your true self, finding your belonging, and, uh, and living out of a place of passion and purpose is that grace begins to overflow. Um, that grace is an infinite, um, bottomless resource. It's a well that never runs dry. Um, and that as you are receiving grace, that, that grace begins to multiply within you and it begins to overflow. Um, so if there is a, if there is a hallmark of this, how do I know when I'm really experiencing a sense of, of, of true worthiness? Ironically, the best hallmark is that you experience the sense of worthiness of everyone else as well. <laughs> um, and not obviously not consistently, um, but that you begin to notice more and more moments where you are you're becoming the eyes of grace and the voice of grace for other people. Um, that is a true hallmark. Thank you for reminding us of that, Bobby. Andrea writes, just to let you know that I've been reading Lovable every once in a while, and although it is not my mother language, I feel I am being read deep inside while I read. I am afraid I haven't been with this group from the beginning. I shall keep following you from Portugal on your podcast and blog shares. Thank you. Yeah, Andrea, these, these podcast episodes will remain up um, and available um, for indefinitely. Um, you know, So uh, anyone who is listening, including yourself, if you feel like you're joining this episode and hearing about this whole year, um, I'll encourage you to just cycle right back to week one with the rest of us. Um, and to, to re-listen all over again and see where it takes you. And I, as you know, as an author, Andrea, you know you can only write in your own voice, um, and you know that voice won't resonate with all people, and you sort of have to accept that. So what an what a, an affirmation I'm grateful for to hear that like this isn't it's not the typical way I think about things, but I feel like it's putting words to something deep inside of me, and so I'm grateful for that, Andrea, and I'm glad to hear it, and uh, and all of our. Uh, all of our best to you as you continue on this journey. Donna writes, I am so grateful that this is the way you've committed to this and all of us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Donna. Um, and I'll be mentioning, obviously, again, um, in more detail, actually, in this final podcast episode. Like, if you've read the book and you've gone through this whole podcast and you're wanting to kind of take your experience of all of it to a, just a totally new level, um, we're getting together at Donna and Gary's ranch in, in April outside of Park City, Utah for a weekend, a lovable weekend. And um, we've done this before. I've done this with Donna and Gary specifically. And um, and even the way this weekend has evolved since we did it in Waco is gonna be awesome. So I am so excited. And if, if you're wanting to join us, go right now. There's gonna be ways quickly to, to register for tickets in the new year. But if, you're, if you wanna be reminded specifically to, to get those tickets, reach out to me. Uh, go to drkellyflanagan.com backslash experience drkellyflanagan.com backslash experience and just send me an email through the speaking um, request form and I will uh, I'll be sure that you specifically get the information about how to register in January. Don, I cannot wait to do with that with you. It's going to be so much fun. Joy writes, uh, we all just decided to get a bus and come hear you speak. Uh, in, in Utah, I'm thinking, lovable people packing a bus to hear the worthy Dr. Kelly. Oh, that's really, that's a nice way for you to say that, Joy. Um, it really will. It's going to be a blast. My wife's going to be there with me. Um, kids will probably not, um, but my wife's going to be there. And uh, um, <laughs> Donna and Gary are like, they're... Uh, they are lovable people, like through and through, and you are going to feel so well cared for and hosted and so at home. So if you do get a chance to, to come to Utah, we would love that. Brenda writes, when I began this listening journey, I felt the calling to heal. I was excited until I just kept becoming more and more broken. 
Oh yeah, but I'm starting to see that true healing of me is beginning. I believe 2019 will be a more holy holiness. Is that spelled correctly? I don't care if it's spelled correctly. It's brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's, you know, we, we talk uh, early and lovable about the, the, the light underneath your underneath and how so many of us stop at that first layer of underneath, right? We've got the, we've got the, uh, the facade that we, we show to the world, which for most of us is pretty well put together. Um, we show people what we want them to see. And then underneath that, we have our layer of, of real brokenness, of, of ego, of mistakes, of mess, of, um, of all the things that we regret and wish we hadn't done, things we wish we weren't. We weren't. And, and a lot of us, so when we start digging underneath the facade, we run into that and we go, oh no, I'm, I'm rotten to the core. I can't, I can't keep digging. Um, and so we go away from that. And what you're testifying to, Brenda, is that when you continue to dig, when you continue to move through that brokenness, the, the layer is probably deeper than you like to admit at first, um, but that eventually you'll break through that brokenness to the light. And underneath that is a, uh, um, a holy holiness, <laughs> um, a holy wholeness, if you will. And, uh, and that is, that's the, you know, in terms of challenges as, as you, you reflect upon this year, I appreciate that because so many people need to be reminded, don't stop digging, don't stop going. There's an end to it. There's an end to the darkness and a place where the, a place where the light begins within you and keep moving toward it. That's it. That's it. Such a great reminder. Thanks, Brenda. Okay, everybody. Um, thanks again. One last time. I, how many times have I said that this in this podcast? Thank you for a wonderful discussion. Thank you for a challenging discussion. Thank you for a brave discussion. Thank you for a vulnerable discussion. Thank you for a helpful discussion. <laughs> Thank you for a final discussion. Um, each and every one of you um, who has contributed in um, in the in the conversations, who has simply listened in, um, each of each one of you is lovable and worthy, and you've showed up from that place, and I'm so grateful. Um, so remember that even though this is our last recording together, I'll be wrapping up this podcast in the same way it began. Episode the introductory episode was just episode one was just me reading the introduction to the companion guide, the year of listening, loving, and living, and then reflecting a little bit upon it. And so that's what I'm going to be doing in our, our last episode. Um, I'll be reading the conclusion to the companion guide um, and sharing some final reflections upon this journey that we've all been on together. Uh, it's going to be entitled, Before We Begin Again, um, to reflect that theme of perhaps we just go back to week one and start over listening to week one and beginning the journey all over again. So be sure to tune in next week for that final episode. Until then, remember, you are lovable and you are just getting started. Thanks again for joining us on the Lovable Podcast. Remember, this companion book can stand on its own, but it stands a little taller and a little stronger on the shoulders of Lovable. So if you have not picked up a copy of Lovable yet, it is available wherever books are sold, and you can get it in paperback, digital, or audio format. If you'd like to simply download a sample of Lovable, you can go to my website, drkellyflanagan.com. That's drkellyflanagan.com. In the right sidebar, Sign up to receive my blog post by email, and you will immediately receive a free sample of Lovable and a free copy of my ebook, The Marriage Manifesto. The music for the Lovable podcast is courtesy of Ellie Holcomb and is entitled Wonderfully Made from her album Red Sea Road. Until next week, friends, remember, you are lovable. Yeah.